Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. Off the Ball Daily. All right, you're very welcome along. Uh, we're talking NFL now. The draft started overnight in Kansas City. The first round is in the books. It's the one day of the year that everybody feels good about their NFL life, apart maybe from the Dolphins who didn't get to pick because their owner met Tom Brady on a boat. Before the draft actually happened, though, Lamar Jackson signed a $260 million contract. So that's over five years. It's going to make him the highest paid player in the NFL on an annual basis. 185 million of the contract is guaranteed, so no matter what happens, he gets that. The other big news that happened, obviously, over the course of the week uh, was that Aaron Rodgers' deal to the New York Jets had been finalised. Uh, so that was all in the books before the picking started, and I'm delighted to say Mike Carlson is with us now to try and pick through the wreckage a little bit of, of what happened. Um, <laughs> will we start with Lamar Jackson and, and the amazing timing, like, at the precise moment where... Uh, the whole world is focused on the NFL. They're like, yeah, no, we uh, don't worry. We always had this, and we always had this in hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure it was that easy for either side, but it is something that you wanted to get done um, by that point because obviously, going into the draft, you need to know exactly where you stand at the most important position. Odd thing with Lamar is he doesn't have an agent, and I think that probably hurt the negotiations. At one point, he said he was done with Baltimore, and that's it. And part of the thing an agent does does for you is provide a buffer between yourself and the and the ownership. He got he got as you said the biggest contract five million more over five years than Jalen Hurts got from the Eagles about a week ago, um, and he could have had. 175 million guaranteed last August. So you could argue that he held out for, um, you know, the better part of a, of a season and then the off season to get an extra 10 mil. And he saves probably 3 million on not, uh, no more than that, on 5 million on not having an agent. Um, but everyone's happy now. Lamar's back with Baltimore. Um, Baltimore got him a decent receiver in the draft. So, you know, he'll be happy with that because that's been a problem for them for the last five years or so. And um, quarterbacks were the big story in the draft. Uh, no surprise, somewhat of a surprise and then huge surprise as the as the draft began with the first four picks. Uh, did you think that Baltimore weren't going to get a deal done for Jackson or was the fact that nobody came in when they could have signed him to sign him? Was that always a, a signal that they were going to do a deal at some point? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, the for the problem being that um, in order to get Jackson, you would have to get him to first sign his franchise offer, which Baltimore had given him, um, and then you would have to give up two first round draft picks, which actually isn't that much when you consider, for example, what the Jets paid for Aaron Rodgers. Um, just to go for maybe one, two, one year, maybe two, but um, it's it's probably more than any team was willing to give up because to some extent I like Lamar Jackson a lot but he's somebody that you have to adjust your offense to in the sense of using his running ability and it worked really well for Baltimore for a couple you know for a couple of seasons until he got hurt and that's always the problem which is a consideration in the draft um you know with Anthony Richardson for example uh was a consideration for Jalen Hurts and so you need you need a team that's committed to to bringing the best out of the talent that he has. 
Uh, that point about him being hurt, I do hope that he uh, was minding himself for this contract at the end of last season and was making a business decision instead of going out there and having his knee ripped apart, like, say, RG3 did, for example, when uh, if he hadn't gone out and worn the brace, who knows what his career would have been. So I do hope that uh, quarterbacks are protecting themselves and, and learning and that actually we're going to see the full range of his talents in the future. I hope I hope so, too. And I think that was part of the problem with Baltimore because I think they probably felt that he was able to play at the point last year where he where he basically took himself out out of the season they thought he might be exact and they were expecting him to do that and and i think you're absolutely right that with his contract on the line and all um it was the smart thing to do for him and you know the ethos in in football remains to to, to take one for the team as it were but but the money um is <laughs> the money is the winning thing for for um, modern the modern NFL. The other thing that happened, obviously, over the course of the last week that um, settled down just in time for the draft was that Aaron Rodgers finally got the uh, sorry the, the two teams finally got the deal done to confirm Aaron Rodgers' arrival in New York. He obviously got on Pat McAfee forty days ago. Uh, 40 days in the desert you know I mean <laughs> yeah. uh, it's become a popular meme in the NFL these days with between Tom Brady and him he, he went into his you know darkness cat cave and somewhere in Oregon and um and came out after drinking a gallon of ayahuasca tea and um eventually that deal got done I I was kind of thinking that the Packers might wait until after June 1st when when their cap would would do much better getting rid of Rodgers. But they really did, I think, want to get the draft taken care of and included in the deal. So as it stands now, the the Packers will carry a huge dead money cost against their cap, but the actual um, money they're spending on quarterbacks now will be will be a lot less. And the Jets are are pretty much okay with with Rodgers' deal the way it is. But if he doesn't play next year, which with Aaron Rodgers is always a possibility, they'll carry a huge cap hit um, as a result of what's been remaining on that huge deal he signed um, back when it, it was the biggest deal uh, for, for quarterbacks. But the 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 immediate problem for them w- was an interesting one in the draft because part of the draft was they simply swapped number one picks with Green Bay and Green Bay took the number 13 pick and and the Jets therefore had the 15 pick. They thought no big deal, two spots. But in the 14th spot was New England and New England traded out of it to Pittsburgh who immediately took Broderick Jones who was the last of the four best offensive tackles and, and the guy that most people had sort of mocked to the Jets, um, certainly one of those tackles to them as a great need. And they therefore didn't get a t- one of the top tackles. They wound up taking a defensive player, Will McDonald um, from Kansas State. And and um, New England got Christian Gonzalez, who mo- many of us thought was the second best cornerback in the draft, the way, all the way down at 17. So it was kind of a win-win for New England as they hurt the Jets and helped themselves. So Bill Belichick screwed the Jets again. Uh, you can just imagine how delighted he was making that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you're going to oh, you're going to pick an offensive lineman who, you know, would have been otherwise protecting Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and causing me uh, Trouble. Absolutely. You can you can totally have that pick. Um, uh, one of the things I think we should just talk about for so there's a lot of uh, casual sports fans listening tonight who aren't really that into the NFL draft part of the season. But actually, one of the real draws of being an NFL fan is that you have this period of the year where you think anything is possible. So I've, I've looked at uh, various websites this morning who are rating the performance of the various teams 
And like even the Broncos were getting a B because no one knows how the draft is going to work out because one of their picks essentially has gone on picking uh, Sean and getting Sean Payton. And you're like, I mean, right. that, that's a bit of a reach, I've got to say. I would have said that, you know, but that's how it is. It's, a, it's, it's, hope. it's a great debate. It's a great debate to have exactly how much value a coach brings um, to a team. But I think in Sean Payton's case, it's probably deserved. Um, and of course, it, the pick that, that we're talking about um, went to New Orleans um, and it was the 29th pick of, of 31. So, you know, that loss is, is not so huge. But, you know, it, it's funny because fans fans have extreme positions. You know, either their team blew it completely or they had a great they had a great draft. Whereas the management of the team almost always says, you know, we had this guy rated really high on our board and we were really glad he fell to us, you know, whether whether or not that that's absolutely true. So I, I think it's a it's a fun event. It's 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 torturous to watch um because of all the glitz that they've attra- attached to it and all, all the players dressed up like it was their senior prom in high school and and all of the like NFL reporters in in their um cocktail dresses uh doing the red carpet thing like it was the Oscars and it it gets pretty pretty um irritating to us old old curmudgeons who just want to discuss the football um and very few of us do really well on mock drafts uh, overall uh because it's so hard to predict you, you can rate the players and some people can be fairly accurate as to rating the players but it's hard to rate the teams and to understand what the teams are thinking uh, much less you know you can even say that this player is a good fit for that team but you don't know if their front office agrees with you so so you know mock, mock drafts i think i i got five of the first 15 and and i could cheat and say i got a couple more because i had the right guy but the wrong you know the team moved up and that kind of stuff and i think that's a pretty good year for me i'd say so, that's not bad at all yeah um um you know but but otherwise afterwards then the analysis you know be, becomes real re- really interesting and and um you know you just you just you look at the risks team take you you look at the teams that sort of sit pat and have something come to them uh you look at patterns within the draft where for example in this one at pick 20 Seattle took a wide receiver, Jackson Smith, and, and the next three picks were three wide receivers because everybody panicked and figured now that one's gone, we better get the one that we want. Um, and you you can see that stuff happening. And although you're starting to get really tired around three in the morning, it's um, you know it, it's kind of fun to wa- to actually watch that um, happen before your eyes. So we should talk about the, the stuff that happened at the top of the draft. So I think everybody knew that Bryce Young was going to be the, the, the number one off the board. And he was because uh, Carolina traded up for him a long time ago. And that's the other thing that we should just point out for casual sports fans is that this is actually the best part about the, the NFL. The worst team gets to pick first. So no matter how bad you are after a period of time, you do get somebody who you hope is going to be pretty good. And it doesn't always work. Uh, the bad teams always seem to be picking at the top of the draft. But even Jacksonville have managed to um, uh, stop picking at the top of the draft because they eventually got somebody good. So Carolina... Yeah, and I, that That's absolutely true. And then what happens as well, Chicago were the team with the number one pick in the draft. They traded it to Carolina. Um, so they moved down from one to nine, but they also picked up a second round pick, a first rounder next year, a second rounder the year be- after that, plus DJ Moore, a wide receiver, who's probably worth a first round pick himself uh, na- nowadays. So you you can you can use those draft picks not just to you know to replenish yourself with the best player in the draft, but also to replenish yourself by adding players and or draft picks. And if, if those picks work out, you get much stronger. 
the other thing, the, the Lamar Jackson contract, the reason that it hadn't been signed, or one of the reasons it hadn't been signed was because Deshaun Watson had got a fully um, guaranteed <laughs> contract in the deal that he, gave Houston a load of picks and gave them the power over the draft. That and the fact that they were such a bad team, they were picking high as well. They've, they've, used, they've spent basically all that capital in this year's draft. How do you think they did? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I felt that it was right for them to stay at two and take C.J. Stroud. Stroud's draft stock dropped considerably as R- Bryce Young's rose. And, and some people were actually, you know, having him weighed down. But I thought, especially given that they're going to run a San Francisco-style offense, Stroud should be able to do that. You think of, of the kind of quarterbacks that the Niners have, have used effectively, and he should be very good at it. But then what they did was trade um, up from the 12th pick to um, which they had got for Cleveland in the Deshaun Watson deal um, to take Will Anderson with number three. Now, Anderson was the top rated pass rusher in the draft um, and they gave up a lot for him, a second round pick, a first rounder next year and a third rounder next year. So the question is whether that was worth it in a draft that had quite a few quality outside pass rushers. But Anderson was probably the, the most effective of that that lot and and something D'Amico Ryan's probably wanted. Um, I was a little mistaken because I thought he might want an inside player like Jalen Carter, but Carter but Carter slipped a bit in the draft. So they've added two blue chippers as um, potentially with the second and third picks of the draft, um, but at at some cost. And then with Stroud and Young gone. The next question was, everybody knew Indianapolis at four was going to take a quarterback. They didn't panic and try to trade up to get the guy they wanted, partly because the guy they wanted was Anthony Richardson, who lots of us thought would not go that high. He's he's an amazing athlete. Think about Cam Newton, but a better athlete than Cam Newton. Big, like six foot four, 245 pounds, incredible runner. He he ran the 40 yard on under 4.3. If, if the NFL had a decathlon event, he'd probably be the winner. Um, unfortunately, you have to pass if you're a quarterback, and that's that's his problem. But Indianapolis's new head coach, Shane Steichen, was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia and the guy who gets the credit for making Jalen Hurts, who's a run, a running kind of quarterback, more effective. So the thought was that he might go for Richardson. Um, and some of us thought he might go for Will Levis, who was the other of the four top quarterbacks. And Levis fell right out of the right out of the first round entirely. And Richardson went to Indianapolis with that fourth pick. Yeah, it's funny. Lamar was the 32nd pick all those years ago. Uh, there was no 32nd pick, as I said, because Miami had theirs taken <laughs> off them because they, they wanted Tom Brady and the league found out about it. And you can't do that. And uh, it's, a quite, yeah. it's quite the punishment. So who knows where the 32 uh, pick will end up being. It may well be another quarterback. We'll see where, where Levis ends up. Um, it's funny. We don't talk about the best teams at this time of the year. We always talk about the worst teams and where the best players of this current generation are going. Uh, it is in Kansas. Uh, how did the Chiefs do? How did the Eagles do? And um, well, yeah, the Chiefs were picking last, thirty-first in the draft, and they took a guy, um, Felix Anudike Uzoma, for also from Kansas State. Um, their defense, who's who's basically an outside, an edge rusher, defensive end for them. Um, but he'll he'll be ticketed to kind of replace Frank Clark in their lineup. Um, he's a lot like George Carlatis, who they already who they already have. And not a bad pick. I mean, you know, a, a decent enough player at at that spot. But Philadelphia won the draft, as far as I'm concerned. Jalen Carter, who I mentioned, I thought he was the top player in the draft before 
um, he was at, on Georgia with the with the national championship team, and after their celebration party for winning the national championship, he was racing with with a teammate in cars that uh, in a in, against a car that was uh, had two of the women who were um, working in the um, in the college uh, recruiting department, and they had a car crash. His car didn't; the other car did, but they they were racing, and that's that's um, an offense. Uh, which uh, he got suspension, uh, suspended sentence for and probation for. Uh, but it caused him to drop down in the draft. He also, it seemed to divert his attention from football. But as I said, I thought he was the best player in the, in the draft before that happened. I also thought Seattle would take him with the fifth pick. They didn't. They took the best cornerback in the draft with the fifth pick. And as he was dropping... Philadelphia switched picks with Chicago. They gave Chicago a fourth rounder for next year to move up from 10 to 9. And they took Jalen Carter uh, from Georgia. And then Nolan Smith, a pass rusher from Georgia, fell to them at, at the 30th pick. So now they have four players off of Georgia's national championship team from 2021, including including Jordan Davis and uh, Nakobe Dean. So so their defense could start four Georgia players who've all played with each other. Um, and and it's just when you're in that position, when you're that far down in the draft, to be able to uh, build up, strengthen yourself in that manner it is really a, a credit to Howie Roseman, the GM, who's really, who's killed it the past couple of years. You know, um, he was right about taking the risk on Jalen Hurts. Uh, he got coaches who could make the best of him. And um, and he's built built a team that most teams at that at that level find hard to maintain that level. But, you know, he learned from Andy Reid. Um, it's not really a coincidence, and he's done a great job as general manager. I think you know that was one of the the big wins um, of the draft was uh, you know just just for a team that good to pick up that much talent in in the first round of this draft. All right, Mike, we will leave it there. Unless there's any other spe- specific takeaways that you think we should touch on, um, just just probably a, a couple. Um, interesting that B. Jan Robinson, who was the best running back in the draft from Texas. It's always a, a problem because the analytics people uh, quite rightly suggest that running backs are more or less fungible. Every team manager seems to find somebody in the third or the fourth or the fifth round, and and they don't last long. Running backs have terrible injury histories. If you if you think of say Saquon Barkley, who went second overall to the Giants. So the question was, who would bite on B. Jan Robinson? I actually thought Philadelphia, had they stayed at ten, might have taken him to replace Miles Sanders. And you don't often get. A, a kind of generational or a possible generational running back. But he went to Atlanta, which surprised me in the sense that Atlanta had two running backs. They got Tyler Allegier in the fifth round last year, and they also had Cordero Patterson, who got hurt, which gave Allegier a lot of playing time. But when you thought about it, their offense, Arthur Smith, comes from Tennessee, where they had Derrick Henry. And and Robinson's not a Derrick Henry type of back. He's, he's more of a... Um, Alvin Kamara kind of back, but he's a guy who can run a lot, who can catch the ball, and he he could be their workhorse back. And alternating with Allegier, it could be really good. So it made a lot of sense for um, for Atlanta to do that. It also made a lot of sense for Buffalo to trade up with Jacksonville. Jacksonville had the twenty fourth pick, and they traded down twice um, to twenty seven, and still got a, a starting tackle in in Anton Harrison. But Buffalo traded up to get Dalton Kincaid 
who was probably the top rated tight end, but the tight ends, it was a very deep class of tight ends, but divided between blockers and receivers and all around guys. And, and Dalton Kincaid was by a margin, the best receiving tight end in the bunch. They already have Dawson Knox at tight end. But what this says to me is that they're going to run a lot of two tight end offenses with only two wide receivers where they have, they have Davis and uh, Diggs and a running quarterback in in Josh Allen and it's going to create the kind of mismatches that the Patriots used to get when when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk together at the same time not that either guy is as good as those two guys but what it does when they're both in the lineup is it makes you decide who's going to cover whom and Knox is a pretty good tight end all around in the sense that he can block and he can get downfield so I think it was a great offensive move for the Bills a lot of fantasy implications for those last two ones that you mentioned there which I'm sure is um, uh, of interest (laughs) to everybody make a a little note now there you go yeah (laughs) Mike good to have you with us thanks a million enjoy the rest of it cheers thanks Jeff